Have you ever thought about your rights and freedoms regarding your money and its impact by legislation from all levels of government? Welcome to the Information Edge with your host, Darren Yancey. Darren has over 40 years of experience in key sectors of the economy, and he's been knee-deep in politics for over a decade. He's going to get into detail on these sectors, the politics surrounding them, what they mean to you, and how you can protect yourself and be involved. Now, live from Texas, your host, Darren Yancey. All right, folks, happy hump day. It's the middle of the week. You're a couple of days away from Monday, and you're starting to see Friday in the wee wisps of your eyes going, "Ah, the weekend's right around the corner. Yes, it is. I'm here to get you through that because we're going to talk about the things that nobody else in a dishonest media has the spine to say because they might actually have to answer a real question. So welcome to the Information Edge. I'm Darren Yancey, your host. We have a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of focus on a very finite amount of topics. Some of them you might say are ripped out of the headlines. A lot of them uh, I have to dig them up because nobody wants to talk about it and tell you the truth. About a month ago, I did a podcast called Green by Any Means, which was actually a review of something I'd done on the Friday broadcast. I do a Friday show called the Automotive Edge Radio Show and Truck Talk with my putty Kurt Chase on iHeart. Uh, I can say it because I pay for this show. And we cover similar topics, except this is expanded version of that. And I wanted to trot out some things because when I did that pod, when I did that broadcast and that show, Donald Trump was president. Joe Biden being president is a whole different animal. And I'll go down some things. Now, I'm not going to do a repeat of what I did last month, but you need to go to that particular uh, show. It's called Green by Any Means under Voice America. And it was effectively what we did in that show was debunk the issues of carbon emissions. Are they bad for the planet? How much? Are we all going to die? All that. I'm not going to go back and repeat it, but the bottom line is you're not going to die. Carbon emissions are actually a natural process. It's called photosynthesis. Carbon dioxide. You release it when you breathe. There's no way to eliminate it all. If they did, we'd all be dead. So why doesn't someone question these loons that are throwing this out there. Well, guess what? I'm going to give you the ammunition. So when next time someone comes around and tries to hit you with white privilege or guilt or whatever crap it is, they throw your way of why you need to get rid of fossil fuels. We're going to dot them between the eye and say, here's why nutbag. First off, let's talk about the Paris Accord. The Paris Accord is what everybody is, is hailing is that's the universal agreement where we're going to make the planet better by eliminating fossil fuels. It was something that came out in 2015. Obama was in it. And frankly, he should have been uh, pimp slapped in 2015 for joining that. Because here's the first thing. Is this even something legal that the president of the United States, regardless of what their party is, regardless of when they're in office, has the right to sign without any form of congressional approval? That's a legitimate question. See, a trade agreement is something that requires uh, majority approval by both the House of Representatives and the Senate. A treaty, which, by the way, what's the difference between a treaty and a trade agreement? A trade agreement is usually for a is for a, a, a bilateral good. A treaty, you may be ceding rights away for peace. Well, there's no question that the Paris Accord is a form of a treaty because we're ceding away U.S. rights to effectively finance the sins of other nations. That, at the very least, should require U.S. majority approval. Obama should have been pimp slapped. Guess what? They need to slap O'Biden around. O'Biden, 
that's that's a Freudian slip there. Uh, the fact of the matter is, folks, this is an illegal agreement for us to even be involved in. So why are we following it? That's the first thing you need to do when someone says, well, we're a part of the Paris Accord. Really? Can you define that as a trade agreement or a treaty? When they start going, that's when you go, it's neither one. It's not a legal agreement. So let's take that, rip it apart, and go into what's going on. Why are we having the push? I killed the carbon emission lie in green by any means because that's what it is. It's a lie. Folks, right now the planet's greening. We can use less water. We can grow more food. We can feed more people. Yes, we have to watch it. We don't want dirty air. We're not going to be polluters. You've got major restrictions in the emissions in cars and jets and planes, a little bit more. But, hey, we're trying to get there. So guess what? Why is it we must change the way we power the planet? Just today, just today, say it ain't so, Joe. He didn't do enough when he killed the... uh, the pipeline, he said, well, I know you got those oil leases up in Alaska. Yeah, I know you like it, but guess what? We're stopping those. Killed that lease. Folks, this is an all-out assault on fossil fuels. Why? Why is the assault out there? Carbon emissions are a lie, folks. We cannot ever get to zero carbon emissions because if we do, guess what? We're dead as a planet. You have to have some form of carbon emissions for trees to green up, to grow plants. Now, if they want to say, well, we want zero carbon emissions for mechanical items. Okay, you're, you're getting very well there. But guess what? That wasn't enough for Say It Ain't So Joe. He recently has come out and said at the climate summit with 41 world leaders that he is going to cut U.S. greenhouse gases by 50 percent by 2030. That's not the commitment of 26 to 28 percent under Obama. 50 percent. Where are we going to what are we going to cut? You know what they're talking about? They're talking about changing the way we power the United States in coordination, how we power the planet. And it's a big lie. And we'll tell you why. First off, let's look at the power source that's been around for a long, long time. It's done a lot of good. Uh, it has powered us through some dark days. It's still out there. It's the leading power source on the planet. But there's an assault against it. It's called coal. Folks, coal has been powering uh, this country and the world for a long, long period of time. Currently, it represents about 20% of the power the U.S. produces. Now, you have to understand, that's down from 39% in 2014. That's a dramatic reduction. Now, natural gases offset that and increased it, but you didn't have any change in fossil fuels. Instead, you had a gutting of the coal industry. So if you lived in Kentucky, if you lived in Pennsylvania, if you lived in West Virginia, states that are traditionally coal-friendly states, states that produce a lot of labor that goes in there, that produces that product, your economy uh, was whacked. So why was it down? Why are we killing coal? Well, globally, coal is still 40%. And guess what? Um, Over the last few years, the number of plants have increased from 66 to 80%. Well, why? Well, it's relatively cheap to produce. It's very plentiful and it's very reliable. Something else that I revealed in the last podcast on this, it's also a great source of one of the best feedstocks for biofuel systems. If you do a carbon capture system on a coal plant, you have got a super fuel in making biofuel. 
but nobody wants to talk about that. They want to kill it. Why? Well, before we talk about that, let's talk about supply because it's important. If we're going to talk about changing how we power America, it's not just what we power with, but the source of it. Do Can we actually produce it or do we got to buy things from someone else, which makes us energy dependent on someone else instead of energy independent that we had been up until about four months ago. The U.S. is roughly 250 tons of coal. We have the number one coal reserve status on the planet. We got 22% of the known global reserves. 22%. We have proven reserves to go at least 347 times our annual re- consumption. In other words, we've got enough coal right now to power us for another 347 years right now. And they made it where it was getting more improving inefficiencies and acquisitions and getting emissions out, making it safer for miners. So why kill coal? Well, I think part of it, if you haven't figured out, because the U.S. controls a lot of it. This is an anti-U.S. policy, by the way, that's going on in changing the energy sources. We're going to get into more on that for a second. But basically, politically, coal has issues. Uh, they, they, they say, well, the mining, they say it's uh, environmentally unfriendly. But then again, we're mining the living snot out of cobalt for EV batteries. That is worse for the environment. But nobody wants to talk about that. Why? Because, well, it powers electric cars. Okay. Pollution. It's the other issue with coal, but the reality is it's come down and there are ways to capture it and get rid of it. So why is it considered a threat? For whatever reason, they want coal gone. And so well organized has been this effort that major insurance companies, as well as financiers, are no longer finding, excuse me, funding or insuring coal projects. They want them gone. By 2035 is the goal. The problem is you can't do that because we don't have anything to power it. Now, some good news is there is now a response in the United States where we're seeing lawmakers for the first time, they finally have grown a spine. It didn't occur at the congressional letter level. It's occurred at the state level. A majority of states, and I'm sad to say that my state, Texas, is not involved in it and uh, trying to find out why uh, Governor Abbott's not, but I'm sure he will be. But you've got a number of states now that are starting to come at the financial institutions and are saying, if you don't get behind fossil fuel funding, we're going to pull our resources out of your banks, which make you lots and lots of money. And guess what? The banks are going, uh, oh, that's a problem. They need to take that same strategy and they need to apply it to insurance companies There's a whole list of them. You can start, if you want to do a search for insurance companies that do not support coal, you'll be surprised. They're all starting to come up. They're big names out there. They need to be eliminated. If you have a state that is an energy producing state and your state is starting to put pressure on banks, you need to contact your governor. You need to contact your lieutenant governor. You need to contact who's ever at the head of your house, the head of your Senate and say, you guys need to put the same pressures on insurance companies. Because if the insurance companies aren't providing the insurance, it won't matter if the financing's there. It still has to have the insurance. So this is something we're starting to see it now pushing back, which I'm happy to report. Now we got to see them go through. But this is something you can be involved in. You can make these calls. Okay. So why not focus on trapping coal emissions and work in tandem with biofuel production? 
It's a hand-in-hand process, folks. It's a hand-in-hand process. Unfortunately, I got to take a break. So you're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We're going to pay some bills. We're on Voice America Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleiner Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleiner interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleiner Hour is health from an environmental perspective. Your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge. As a reminder, this is a live show, 866-472-5788. If you'd like to be a part of the debate, get lots of emails. And I guess right now there's a little bit of people kind of scared to uh, speak up. I get emails, Darren, you know, I'd like you to talk about this subject. I really don't want to come on air because I'm afraid someone will recognize my voice. Folks, you can't be that way. Even in times when the First Amendment is under assault and it's under assault, um, you have to clear your throat and be louder. You can't be meeker because if you're meeker, they take more away from you. Be big, be bold, uh, be proud and be loud. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about what's happening in the energy debate um, why this is happening, is it feasible, and ultimately, we've got to talk at the, at the end about what the politics are. And we just talked about coal, uh, the fact that the United States is the number one, has the number one amount of reserves on the planet for coal, have enough to supply us for 347 years, but everything's being done to outlaw it. 
And you just need to think about that for a second because that's not to our advantage. That's to other countries' advantages. So what's the next energy source upon the list? And by the way, if you're wondering where I'm getting my sourcing from uh, of what's for available in the U.S., what's available worldwide in terms of power production, on the U.S. side, I'm using the U.S. Energy Information Administration site, which is EA, excuse me, EIA.gov. You can go in there, and uh, they had a topic come out right in March about all of the utility-scale power generation in the United States in 2020, um, 4,009 billion kilowatt hours. That's a lot of juice, and it gives the breakdown, okay? And the reality is fossil fuels contribute to 60% of what we do. And while coal has went down in the last six years, natural gas has come up to replace it. But the reality is fossil fuels is roughly 60%. Nuclear is about 20%. And you got renewables. And that's been that way for a long time. So I want you to think about that. And as we get into these sources, I want you to think more about, well, if we've got all this, why are we doing some of these other things? We've got enough coal to power this nation for 347 years. Why are we getting rid of it? And I don't want to hear this nonsense because it's hurting the planet. There are ways to produce coal-fired plants where you can capture the carbon, use that source to help another energy source, a green source, and you got loads and loads of power. That's why Europe has went up in the number of plants because they vote, hey, we actually need the power. Well, another fossil fuel that does a big lifting of the load here in the United States, as well as globally, is natural gas, okay? Now, a lot of folks don't understand natural gas is a byproduct when you're drilling for oil, okay? Uh, when you hit these pockets, you get gas with the oil. So the last few decades, as oil wells were starting to be used up and going dry, there were new techniques being developed to retap these wells and extract natural gas. The 2000s was the boom of natural gas. You had um, the Barnett Shell play, which was here in uh, my, my, not only my home state, but my home county of Texas. Uh, you had the back in play up in North Dakota. You had the Pennsylvania play out there. Huge, huge deposits of natural gas. And there's lots that you can do with natural gas. And uh, it can be liquefied and be compressed. It made us an energy exporter for the first time in decades under President Trump. And it's been something that we've got plenty and plenty to go through here. Uh, as a matter of fact, the US, U.S. has over 494 trillion cubic feet of proven reserves that could power the nation as is for at least 80 more years. That's assuming no new production. You stop it today, 80 more years. That puts us fifth in the world production and fifth of known global reserves. That's pretty stout, okay? So here's my question. If we, when we have more than we need and we export it and we bring in loads of revenue, why would we want to eliminate? And you might say, well, Darren, they're not saying they want to eliminate natural gas. Oh, yes, they are. They're saying they want to eliminate fossil fuels. Natural gas is a fossil fuel, folks. Listen carefully to the message that's going out there. Okay, let me tell you another little little secret about natural gas. Not only does it power all the little power, a lot of power plants that's come on. Do you know that it powers vehicles and even those one megawatt wind turbines that you see uh, littered in far places around the United States and around the world? That's right. Sometimes those big one megawatt generators cannot produce 
um, in enough wind to turn those turbines to generate. So what do they do? They turn on the natural gas. Oh yeah. So if you don't have that, you're going to actually have less wind power. Nobody wants to talk about that. Now, here's the question. Why is it natural gas being held as the saver for the U.S. and the world energy supply? Qatar's got a ton of it. It's, a very, it's readily available. It's, it's cheap to get. Well, up until a few years ago, it was considered the savior. Uh, it wasn't until the new group of communists were elected to the U.S. House in 2018, uh, that'd be AOC plus three, that the proposal of the new Green New Deal that vilified anything that comes from the ground, natural gas, as a dirty fuel. Before that, it wasn't being held that way. So this is a very recent development, okay? This is political agenda, folks. Political agendas are targeting any form of fossil fuel right now. Whether they're beneficial for energy independence, revenue, or jobs for the American people. And I'm going to tell you something. Mr. Biden, your job is to protect America and American interests, not the globe. You're the president of the United States, not the president of the world. And if you can't do U.S. policy to protect and put America first, then you should be removed from office, as well as any other person that doesn't put the United States first. I don't care what your gender is, what your color is, what your political party is. You put the nation first. That's the job. If you can't do the job, get out. And we have a problem right now with this president as his prior Democrat predecessor. And that's a shame. I remember a time when uh, Democrats didn't think that way. The problem is you don't have that group of Democrats in office anymore. You have a group of Democrats in leadership. I don't want to broad brush the entire party because I don't believe it's that way. But your leadership has gone ultra radical. Look at what Joe Biden's done to energy in four short months. Reentered the Paris Accord. Stop the Keystone Pipeline. And now today he says, mm, you can't drill in Alaska anymore. Oh, and he said, we're going to reduce emissions by 50%. This is also the same man that less than a couple of months ago at the same meeting said, oh, by the way, if the U.S. does everything, we still aren't going to meet the goals because of China and India. Why is it people put, why is it there more pressure on China and India? They're doing the polluting. And folks, I don't want polluted air. I don't want polluted waters. We're doing our part, but we shouldn't be wiping out industries. So the question is, is getting rid of natural gas, is this really about clean energy? Or is this more about making the United States dependent on other forms of energy that the rest of the world might supply? If we've got enough coal and natural gas, we have enough. We don't use them. We have enough coal and natural gas, our own supplies. We don't have to buy it from anybody. We can be energy independent for several hundred years. Why in the world are we letting other nations dictate energy policy to us? And don't let them buy this. Well, Darren, they said the planet's going to explode or whatever. Or we're going to burn up in uh, nine years. That's, that's garbage. There is nothing behind that that substantiates it. There are no facts. Is the planet getting warmer? Yes, it is. Stop deforestation and you keep your natural filters and we're good. But this nonsense that we're going to upend everything, as I'm going to show you, we cannot produce the energy. And we're going to talk about the ramifications. So what's next? Well, renewable energy. Renewable energy globally, it's about, eh, I don't want to say it's 20%. It's, yeah, okay, it's, uh, it's, it's a little more than, globally, renewables are about 22%. In the United States, they're right at 20 
Uh, hydro and tidal is your biggest one, about over eight percent in the United States. Winds right behind it, around seven. Do you know that solar's less than two and a half percent of our U.S. supply and less than the global supply? Do you know why? These are huge. Solar and wind are huge land applications. You must have large tracts of land. And by the way, I know these. I know intimately because I have capital in renewable energy. Okay. The problem is they cannot produce enough energy with these applications to even make a dent in what, say, nuclear or fossil fuels are doing. It's just not possible. If you want to go hydro, if you dam up every river, if you dam up uh, and you try to get on the ocean, you're not going to produce enough energy through those sources. You can do a lot of supplements. You could do a lot of wonderful things with it, and you could have it as a good supply, and we don't want it to go away. But to sit here and say that hydro, wind, solar, geobiomass, or other, which has been consistent at 20% for a long period of time, can somehow make up 80% of the energy supply. Oh, and by the way, that doesn't factor in new electric growth for electric cars. That's just powering what we currently have. It is a physical and feasible, well, excuse me, infeasible possibility. It's just not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. So when you start hearing, well, we got to have the Green New Deal and, we, and we've got to go green, you need to start asking, well, what specific green technology are you talking about that's going to replace 80% of the world's energy supply? And then there are some other things people don't think about, folks. You have to have the necessary components to build the systems. Who supplies that? Is that a U.S. source supply or is that something coming out of China? I don't want to be relying on China for squat. That's a big problem. Where do you get all the components? A lot of people don't understand there are components in, for example, in all the wind technologies that are out there in those big ones, uh, your magnets that operate inside those motors. Do you know where that source of that material is? China. Your, a lot of your rare earth minerals right now are coming out of China. Do you really want to put more reliability on your energy source out of China? I don't. But this isn't being talked about. That's why I'm bringing it to you today. So it's not just a matter of how would we get it to produce the other 80%. Can you even source the necessary components? Or are we going to be a slave to another country to get those components to produce it? See, that's what's afoot right here folks, is they're talking about tossing things upside down because there's another agenda that's not being talked about. We're going to talk about it later in the show. So I want you to understand hydro, tidal, wind, solar, geo, great stuff. We don't want them to go away. We'd like to get a little bit more out of them, but it's never going to power the planet. All right, folks, it's time to take a quick break and pay some bills. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. You're on Voice America Radio Network, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. 
Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge. We are having the energy debate that you cannot get through traditional media because they don't want to talk about the truth. They don't want to talk about that carbon emissions are a lie because you do have to have carbon dioxide on the planet to green things up to eat or we'd all die. Now, we don't want pollution. We don't want dirty air. And we're working on that. But to say that everything must have zero emissions across the planet, and we, you got to look at what that means. Okay. When, when you hear a politician or a scientist tell you, well, we got to have zero emissions. Think about that statement. Go back to your Education, photosynthesis, what actually powers the plants. It's carbon dioxide. That's carbon emissions. You, you, when you exhale, you do it. So are they talking about wiping out industries that produce it? Are they talking about depopulation? You need to really pay attention because right now there's money that's trying to be spent from tax money globally, although they're trying to make the U.S. carry a lot of the weight. And there's a hidden message in that. We're going to talk about that, but right now we're looking at the feasibility and practicality of actually changing energy sources. We've already covered that coal and natural gas, that the United States leads the world in coal. We're number five in gas. We have enough between those two to basically power ourselves for another couple of hundred years. Why would we want to give up energy independence that we can control pollution on? Think about that. The renewable sector, while it's great, it's been a steady 20% uh, under the current technologies the, the, and, and the land applications that just the massive amount of lands you need for renewables, there's just no way it's going to take up the other 80% that it's missing out. It's, it's not feasible. And if you hear someone says, well, renewables are going to bring us into the next future, well, how much of that 80% can it power? And if you get rid of the other 80%, does that mean people go without power? Does that mean then that we can't 
um, have homes for folks? Are they just going to starve? You know, if you if you stop providing power, it has a very adverse effect. People have a tendency to, uh, uh, shall we say, rebel. <laughs> you want to see a real insurrection? Start starving people. And you'll, you'll see some real nasty stuff. We don't want to go there. There's no need to go there. That's my whole point. We don't have to go there. But let's talk about the one area we've not addressed. That's nuclear energy. Now, nuclear energy has been a steady 20% for a long, long period of time. Not that nuclear was not capable of producing others. If you wanted to invest in the site and have the necessary uranium to power the plant, you could build your own uh, your system. Why didn't nuclear proliferate more? Well, it was political. And part of it was some problems that we started seeing in the 60s and 70s. You had a few accidents, and I don't want to downplay a nuclear accident. It was serious. But the reality was there was a time when um, liberals hated nukes, and they basically, there was a program they used to say, no new nukes. And guess what? They won that battle. That's why nuclear energy did not proliferate more around the United States and around the globe. Currently, you have roughly 98 nuclear reactors in the United States through 30 states. Globally, 443-ish, around 30 nations. That's the number of nuclear reactors out there, powering 20% of the, the, the planet. Okay, So if we know that renewables are only going to handle another 20%, that means 60%, if you wanted to get rid of fossil fuels, has got to be powered by something else. Well, it's not going to happen by renewables. Could it be nuclear? Well, it, it might be. It might be if the political climate is right, if the cost is right, if the power is right. I mean, there's a lot of ifs. But let me tell you what's happening right now is you're starting to see uh, a new form of nuclear technologies. Now, I don't know if we can call it what we call the diamond age, which is what scientists said. If we ever hit the diamond age of nuclear, it could be the, the salvation for a lot of energy issues. But there's new micro reactors that are able to work with less water which has been an issue with traditional nuclear. They can produce higher temperatures, which means more energy. Um, I've heard, I've heard, I have not talked to a direct source, that they can use the waste from other traditional nuclear reactors. And if that's the case, that's a big plus, okay? I've not confirmed that. I've heard it. I've read some things. But there are basically, there's, there's a few handfuls out there uh, that I'm trying to find out. One of them is uh, Kionos, which is a new one. Um, there's another one called, uh, Terra power and guess who is behind Terra power? Our friend, Bill Gates. <laughs> now, Bill Gates was a genius when it came to computers, made lots of money, but to my knowledge, um, he's neither a medical doctor, so I wouldn't take a vaccine from him. And last time I checked, he's not a nuclear scientist and it concerns me that he's involved in this. Now, that doesn't mean that nuclear is bad. That doesn't mean the new form of nuclear is bad. I'm telling you, I'm highly suspicious of Bill Gates. And I contacted Terra Power to try to get someone to come on the show. And I was told, thank you, we'll pass. Now, if you go to my Twitter feed, you're going to find there is actually, uh, I put out a blog that was from the Nuclear, Inst uh, Nuclear Institute. And effectively, it's a blog that there's going to be Looks like uh, a convention June 7th through the 9th, and Bill's going to be talking about things. Now, what's happening with nuclear is nuclear is being branded, and it's being actually it's being rebranded, and it's being repackaged as carbon-free. 
That's what nuclear, the new set of nuclear technology is, is it's being rebranded carbon-free and it's being rebranded as basically without all the issues that you're going to have before. Now, I don't know that that's correct. I don't know that it's incorrect. And I think there's a possibility there. But let's just, let's look at the math, okay? If we have 98 reactors in the United States that produces 20% and we've got to produce 60%, that means we need 300 more reactors producing the same amount of power or it's equivalent in the new, the new reactors. So here's the question. How much do those reactors cost? What's the land deployment? How long does it take to build them? And is it realistically that they would replace fossil fuels? Now, I hate to use the word replace. I think it's idiotic to use replace when we've got the largest coal reserves on the planet. We have the fifth largest natural gas reserves on the planet. We already can be energy independent. Okay. I look at nuclear as going, hey, buddy, let's bring it on. You want to power more cars? You want to, you want to have that, that EV, the electric vehicle? We're going to need more power for that. But don't cut off our two best power sources for nuclear. Have them work in tandem. But that's not what you're going to hear. You're going to hear is nuclear being the replacement. So here's a question. And here's this is a legitimate question because let's say let's say that nuclear is the solution. Let's say nuclear can be with these new microreactors. Let's say they're smaller, more deployable, they're going to be more affordable, they're going to produce more energy. Uh, and, and they do wonderful things. You still get down to, you have to have fuel for a nuclear system. Now, how much, if there are operating off of the waste of other systems, I've heard that, I don't know that. If they're operating off the waste, how much of that waste can they use and for how long? It's a legitimate question because that is not an inexhaustible amount of waste out there. There is a finite amount. So if they can use that, great. How much of it can they use and for how long? Now, if the other side, and I saw something from a new generation reactor, and I've got permission to use their name yet that I was looking at the other day, they are using uranium pellets, which is traditionally one of the sources that you use. And they're basically, they've taken some old technology, kind of repurposed it. If you have the, the uranium pellets, where do you get the uranium pellets for? Okay, so you don't just crank up a nuclear reactor and it start going and producing electricity. Now, in the United States, we do have one particular state. Uh, no, it's not Texas, and uh, that produces a respectable amount of uranium, and that is Colorado. But does Colorado have enough uranium to power what, by old technology standards, would be another three hundred reactors or its equivalent? I don't think so. So then the question is, if we don't have enough sourceable material from the United States, where would you get the rest of that uranium from? You know, it's not just something you hop down to uh, HEB or Walmart and say, hey, I got to go in and pick up some uranium pellets. Maybe 100 years from now, maybe, but today it's not. So where do you get that material to put in that new generation nuke to produce all this carbon-free energy? Well, let's talk about it. We've got a couple of minutes for a break. Canada is the leading supply at 21%. That's convenient. Uh, Kazakhstan has 18%. Australia has 18%. Russia has 15%. 
Uzbekistan has 9%, Nambia has 5%, and Niger has 2%. Last time I checked, none of those are U.S. territories. So the real question is going to be, in addition to the amount of space, deployment, cost, power generation, so we can know how many of these you use, so we got to know how much we're going to have to pay for, how much of the waste can we use, if we can use it, how long is it going to last, and when it does run out and we got to start buying it, who are we going to buy it for? And then you get into, they will control the price of the uranium. Do you see what I'm getting at here, folks? Nuclear might not be that solution because we simply may not have the source of the nuclear fissionable material needed to power the plant. If we've got to go outside of the United States, this may be the greatest technology since sliced bread. It may have the capacity to produce the power we need. But if we've got to purchase that material to make it work from somebody else, that means we're at their mercy for energy independence, which means we're not independent, but we're energy dependent. You've got to start filtering through the minutiae that the liberal media, and I will just simply call the lying media, are pushing out right now because they're not being truthful with us. There's a lot of questions. I'm trying to get the answers right now. I will tell you, it's like tripping over a landmine. I've called everybody that I could find, including Terra Power, Keonos, and some others out there. Hey, can we get someone to come on the show and answer some basic questions? Uh, you'd think I'm trying to break into Fort Knox. That doesn't give me comfort. But I'm not going to start trying because we need those answers. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, pay a few bills, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey, and on the Voice America Radio Network, and we will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to The Information Edge with Darren Yancey. To reach the program today, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to darren at darrenyancey.com. Now, back to the Information Edge. All right, folks, welcome back to the Information Edge podcast. I'm Darren Yancey. We're talking about the energy debate, and this is kind of a follow-up to one I did a month ago on Green By Any Means. What's it going to take to actually transform? And thus far, um, it's it's a steep, steep cost to the United States. We're the world's largest coal supplier. We're the fifth largest natural gas supplier. Why do we want? Why should we want to get rid of those? It makes us energy independent. We should. There's a political landscape that wants to change that, but why? Well, we're going to talk about it in this segment. We've talked a little bit about nuclear. Nuclear could be an answer. But we don't have enough information. We don't know what it's going to cost, what it can power, how many plants. And there's questions of the power sources. A a nuclear reactor must have a power source. Can you use all of the waste of these other plants? If so, how long will that last? It's a legitimate question. And if you get into having to source uranium, that's a problem because that means you're going to be at the beck and call of other nations. Right now, the only thing, and I'm only concerned about the United States. I'm not concerned about the rest of the world. The only thing that makes the United States 100% energy independent is our coal, our gas, our current nuclear technology, and the renewable technology. The the blends that we have make us energy independent. You start rocking that boat, you're going to have a problem. And our friends over at the International Energy Agency, which a a month and a half ago, we're screaming, oh, my God, we got too much carbon emissions coming out because everybody's driving again. They've even come out and said that there's a warning that we we pursue net zero emissions globally too fast. It is likely to be catastrophic for many oil exporting companies. And what does that mean? That means basically you got a lot of companies, out, countries out there that they basically export oils and they use that as to pay for their budgets. It's how they live. Well, if you try to come out with all these laws and change all this and say, go through, well, number one, we haven't found a solution. Nuclear could be maybe, but I, you know, here's the thing. I I rattle off the countries that control the uranium pellets. If you run out of, or cannot use nuclear waste from the old technologies, do you not think there's a potential there for, gouging do you think there's not a potential there for military conflict (laughs) i mean seriously you have to be honest about this stuff and if you take everybody's economies why should we shut down in the united states our two major sources of energy for some agreement number one it's not legal number two climate change we've always had weather carbon emissions we have to have them to keep the planet green if you eliminate them you're going to kill the planet 
It's balance, folks. They need to be talking about that. Come out and talk to me. Hey, I'm worried about deforestation. I'm with you. I want the, the forest around because that's my natural filter. But just to come out and say, we got to go green or we're going to die, that's a load of crap. And you've got to start questioning these people in exactly that tone. Back up your statements. When NASA comes out and puts out reports that says, hey, the planet's greener. We're growing more foods. We use less water. Those are good things. Does that mean we can go too far? Sure. We want to know how to stop that. But we should not have to basically give away our two major power sources for one source of technology, renewables. It's not going to get the job done. And another unknown source of renewables or carbon-free, however they want to put it, in nuclear, where we really don't know what's going to power it long-term. Where are we going to get the sourcing? And as any manufacturer will tell you, if you don't control the sources of your product that you're producing, you will not stay in business. Energy is no different. So why give it up? Well, folks, this is political. If there is no solution to eliminating 60% of the world's energy source, and they're going to come out with financial policies to eliminate it anyways, what is the purpose? The purpose is to realign and shift how energy is distributed. They know they're not going to wrestle fossil fuels away from the, the players in big oil. They've been in it too long, okay? They know there's only so much you can do with renewables. They know that they, they, maybe if they get five or 10 more percent, that would be phenomenal. But they're never going to get more than that. So what's their opportunity to control the next generation of energy? Nuclear. They're going to say nuclear is going to be the salvation. And it's going to be, it's going to be a Nazi-like mentality that's going to control it. It's going to be, okay, you'll get energy and you won't because you are a good little drone, but uh, you speak out too much. If you take away all these sources, that means people don't have a way to make a living. That means they don't have a way to produce the goods and services, possibly even crops if they need the proper energy for that. That is a problem, folks. That means you're going to have people that get hungry and starving masses, they tend to war, okay? This is not good for U.S. It's not good for the planet. And this conversation of allowing a one-way conversation where they are running roughshod over anybody with another opinion must be stopped and it must be stopped now. That's why I'm doing this show. That's why I did the other show. I want you to have the weapons of conversation. So when you have some idiot come out there and say, well, if we don't get rid of fossil fuels, uh, we're just going to burn up in 2035. Really? What is that based on? Send me some facts. Now, you want to talk about watching an environmentalist. And by the way, I'm not against the environment, but I'm also not somebody that's just completely wacko off the planet. You know who those people are. And when you try to engage in a logical conversation with them and you ask logical questions, you see their eyes starting to go into the back of the head. You see the smoke coming out of their ears because they can't have an intelligent conversation. If you ask them the simple question, okay, if you want to go nuclear, and it's the possible way. How many plants are we going to need? What's the cost going to be? Oh, by the way, who's going to fund that? Is that going to be the taxpayers? Or is that going to be private industry? I don't like to fund something that I'm going to end up paying a usage fee on later. And that's what happens when government does it. And then where's the source of the energy going to come from? Where's that fissionable material going to come from? When you ask them these questions and they can't answer, they start pulling out the, the slander. You're a racist. You're the, you know, you come from whatever it is. 
they fall apart because they don't have facts. But the reality is the sooner we start melting their gears, the better. I'm going to tell you something right now. The two key committees that you've got to watch where there's legislation that impacts this dramatically, okay? Go to my site, Information Edge. Go to the congressional site links under the U.S. House. That's going to be the Committee on Natural Resources. It's going to be the Committee on Infra uh, Transportation and Infrastructure, okay? Uh, it'll also be the House Committee on Energy and Finance. Why we got to have three different committees, I don't know, but we do. On the Senate side, okay, you will find the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. That's a big one. Uh, the Senate Committee on Finance. That's another one. Senate Committee on Natural Resources. And you will also see the Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. They're trying to tie all of these together uh, in terms of spreading out the duties. You need to get on the phone, call these senators. The reason I didn't say the House, I think the House is a lost cause right now until 2022. I, I think even logical Democrats that know that they're voting for things they shouldn't be voted for are going to vote out of fear right now. Uh, I don't know how much time I'd put into the House, but the Senate's a whole different animal. You've got some people over there and you've got a couple of de Democrats. Joe Manchin is one. Uh, Kristen Sinema is another. Mark Warner is a possibility. He's holding back on the PRO Act. And you know what? I don't agree with uh, most of the stuff that those Democrat senators vote on, but I, I admire the fact when they take the right stand and I want to compliment on them and you should too. Get on the phone make emails, get on the website, because you know what? If several million people contact these uh, elected representatives, they pay attention. Also, contact the people at your state, your elected representatives at your state. Tell them, don't do business with banks that are anti-fossil fuel. Contact any insurance company, and I'm going to put a list up in the next couple of weeks. If you will if you'll do an internet search for insurance companies not doing business with fossil fuels, you'll find them. You start contacting those companies. You start exposing them, putting them in the light. They will change their tune. I'm telling you, they will. All right, folks, it has been a pleasure bringing this message to you today. I hope it has been educational. I hope it's been informative. And I hope it's been to some degree entertaining. My name is Darren Yancey. This is the Information Edge podcast. We do this every Wednesday from 3 to 4 on Voice America Variety Channel. And I'll be back next week. You have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Information Edge. Please join your host, Darren Yancey, again next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Central, and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have more to share then.